Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, I'll be taking you through the best steps to take when looking to overhaul your diet with some really simple tips. No fads, no gimmicks, just top tips that you'll need that will make a big difference to your health. We're looking at incorporating the importance of fiber, why we need to stay hydrated, and why incorporating color into every meal can be such a simple yet effective tip to improve what you eat. To discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by dietitian with the Dublin Nutrition Center, Avian Bannon. Avian, welcome to the show. How's it going? Good. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Delighted to have you on. This is a really important topic. So there's diet crazes. There's different things all the time. People are back from kind of summer. September's gone and October, they're settling back into a routine. Healthy eating is more important than ever before and not looking for a quick fix is absolutely crucial as well. Have we forgotten the basics when it comes to food and are we always looking for quick fixes? Oh yeah, I think we're over, we overcomplicate it now. I mean, the back to basics, I know, are you hydrated? Are you getting food? Are you getting rest? Are you getting, you know, activity, fresh air? Like we do have to get back to the basics. And I think that's where one of my key mantras is like be inclusive, not exclusive when we come to food. Like look what we can take in to nourish ourselves as opposed to constantly thinking about what I shouldn't be doing or what I can't have in my diet and like it's as unhealthy to focus on the health of a food as it is the unhealthiness of a food you know you want to have like a relationship where you're still enjoying food but we're getting the nutrients that we need okay so it's important not to make that list of foods that you're never going to have ever again because you know they might be the healthiest foods it's by creating a balance approach where you can have them but have them every now and again exactly it's the idea of okay if we have you know, X amount of um, vegetables and we're eating healthily every week and we're eating all the good nutrients in our food. Like the, what's the harm in having the odd treat like here and there during the week and differentiating between snacks and treats as well. You know, a snack is something we have as part of our daily intake that offers nutrition. Treats is something that may or may not offer nutrition, but they taste nice. So, you know, they're still okay to have. You're just not having them as often. So it's that idea of like, let's be inclusive. Let's kind of think of how we get the diet better as opposed to constantly berating ourselves on what what we're doing wrong and what kind of kind of fads are you seeing around at the moment what are the common ones oh carbs still get a hard time you know they i mean they're getting a little bit more in vogue than they were but they still get a quite a hard time um dairy at the moment is a big one that people are taking dairy out and you know that's fine if you're doing it but be really careful how you do that are you getting the other nutrients? A lot of the plant milks don't have uh, protein in them. Soya milk does, but the other ones don't. And a really interesting thing, which is a bit of a nerdy dietitian thing, but I love this, is you know how calcium is distributed throughout milk is because it clings to the protein. It's a dense structure. So when there's no protein in the milk, it's a much thinner structure. So the calcium, when you add it to those milks, goes to the bottom. So unless you shake the carton really, really well, you're not getting calcium every time you pour it. So just kind of knowing those things can just be careful that if you're making a choice to go for something different, that's fine, but make sure you know how to get the most out of the food. 
in four years of presenting this show and 22 years of studying and being in this game, I've never come across the shake, the shake the milk, shake the milk tip. It's really good. Yeah. If you get oat milk or, um, you know, um, uh, almond milk or any of those milks, just, you just have to give it a really good shake every time before you use it because the calcium um, drops to the bottom. Good to know. I like it. Okay. So the first tip really is around that. Be inclusive, not exclusive when it comes to food. Second key tip. What's up? Fiber is a forgotten nutrient. We're all so busy talking about whether carbs or fats or proteins are good and bad. Fiber is what we would call the kind of forgotten nutrient. I mean, there's no calories in fiber. Its job is to help, you know, that it's like a natural sweeping brush for the gut and to kind of help eliminate um, waste materials. But, you know, we know that people like the more fiber you have in your diet, the lower their sugar intake. So there's that kind of pendulum effect where you kind of go, if you can improve people's fiber, they actually naturally reduce their sugar intake without telling them stop eating sugar. So, you know, it kind of happens naturally. Um, a really good rule of thumb is to go like during kind of childhood age, it's usually your age plus five grams is what you need. So like if you have a 10 year old child, they need roughly about 15 grams of fiber. Once you get to adulthood, we're talking about 25 to 35 grams of fiber. Now, what that actually looks like is an average portion of fruit or vegetables, about three grams roughly. So if you get your five, six a day and you're probably going to get your kind of, you know, about 18, 20 grams of fiber the day from, you know, from that. And then you can get the rest from your whole grains or like nuts and seeds and other foods. So fiber is one of those foods that, you know, it keeps us feeling fuller for longer. It's good for digestive health, for heart health. Um, you know, it keeps people, it helps people maintain a healthier weight. And also we know that when people have a good fiber intake, they tend to have a lower sugar intake. So there's, there's no reason to, to not get more fiber in the diet. And is fiber something that re, that we're, we're as a nation missing and not getting enough of? Yeah, we're not great at fiber. We're not kind of, um, you see, and it's, it becomes from all the fads as well, because some people started reducing fruit because they thought it was too high in sugar. And that's not the case. You know, vegetables, you know, you know, if people are getting enough of their fruit and vegetables in a day, they will do okay. But then there's people eliminating, as we say, carbohydrates for fear that they're not good. And then they're taking those fiber foods out. So you want a nice mix in the diet. Like you should never take anything out. But if you're getting your fruit and vegetables in, if you're having like a higher fiber cereal at breakfast time, like say porridge oats or, you know, wheat bix or another high fiber cereal like that. If you're having your whole grains, you know, you're going for nuts and seeds and snacks, you'll get enough fiber in the diet without overthinking it. But it's just kind of making those choices during the day. Okay, so getting some whole grains with each meal, ideally, you uh, through the main meals during it the day. It's fine to have a mix of both, you know, it doesn't have to be all brown bread, it doesn't have to be all, you know, brown rice or all brown, like it can be a mix of both. And that's the key thing is it's not all or nothing. It's about, you know, again, be inclusive, not exclusive. <laughs> have a little bit of both in the diet, yeah. And tip number three, I love this one, and we're always kind of telling people about it, uh, color at every meal. I know it's so simple, but so effective. And if you just think of it, if you look at your meal and go, it looks a bit beige, throw some color in there. So like no beige, we don't want beige. You add a bit of fruit or, you know, like a juice or some vegetables to your breakfast. Like at lunchtime, it's, you know, some salad in your sandwich or this piece of fruit with your sandwich. In the evening time, it's trying to get a, a couple of different colors in there. So we know, for example, if you give someone three servings of vegetables, they will eat more vegetables than if you give them one serving the same size of one vegetable. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You get a whole lot of peas there, but then you know, the other plate you have some peas, broccoli and carrots. The other person will eat more. And it's because we do eat with our eyes, visually, colour, sensory things, all these different things. So trying to have a dinner time, I often say to people, is aim for something green daily for like your folate and then maybe try and have one or two other colours. 
And I know in the lunch boxes in our house, we always say two colors in the lunch box. So, you know, it could be two fruit, it could be a vegetable or fruit, but just getting into that, co- that kind of concept of color at every meal. And any tips for people or even for parents who, you know, whose children mightn't eat enough vegetables or want to eat vegetables? Is it the try, you know, just try, try and keep trying and eventually you'll like it? Or what do you do? Not to overstress about it either. You know, you might sign sometimes with, you know, there's kids with apples. They don't like the skin. So you might have to peel it and go, this is ridiculous. But sometimes if you grate an apple, they might like it that way. Because often if kids don't like fruit or vegetables, it's not really the taste. It's more like the, the sensory thing is to you know, it's how it feels in their mouth or it's squidgy or they'll have a different way of kind of explaining it. So it's trying to just keep color on the plate. Never take the color off. Do not let the meal get beige. <laughs> Always keep the color there. But if you have it there, even in their visual eye line, you know, even if they try a little bit, that's OK, but not force feeding either. I mean, I only ate peas and carrots until I was about 23. <laughs> <laughs> I eat all vegetables. <laughs> so, you know, we do get there eventually. <laughs> And that, that, that's an important point though. So that like, at a, you know, your, your, your palate change, my own palate, it changes as you get that little bit older. So if you're listening in and you're in your, in your twenties, yeah. your palate will change over the course of your twenties and thirties and you'll start eating foods you never thought that you'd eat. You might even like, you know, Brussels sprouts. Well, I haven't got there yet. Maybe <laughs> for <laughs> <laughs> the next, the next decade. Yeah. Um, okay. So the uh, simple tips so far, which are great. Next one up is rise and dine all about eating breakfast. I know this is national porridge week. You're working at Flavins. You're going to tell me porridge is an amazing breakfast but tell me why i mean it is because whole porridge oats are one of those things that because they are naturally a high fiber food they also contain a fiber called beta glucan which helps lower cholesterol it was actually oats were the first food that a health claim was allowed to be made made about in the states um years ago about 30 years ago so they kind of you know and all the research has shown that 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 is still evidence that it does help lower cholesterol you know it may help lower the risk of like things like type 2 diabetes it helps stabilize blood sugars it keeps you feeling fuller for longer so porridge is a really good breakfast to go for or like another high fiber cereal like breakfast really is i suppose it's breaking the fast you know our blood sugars are a little bit lower as we get up in the morning time and you want a nice carbohydrate fiber rich you know breakfast to kind of keep you going for the day now sometimes then people worry about well I, you know i find i find it hard to eat in its own like you can add things to it to make it more palatable i know we in our house, I make like a chocolate porridge quite a bit. So like I do, sometimes I grind actually um, just a, a dates and cocoa powder together and add that in with the porridge oats and it makes it, or else sometimes we just do cocoa powder and raspberries. But we do little things to it to make it a bit more kind of interesting. But with breakfast, the key thing is you're trying to get some fiber in there. You want to get some protein. So whether it's a milk or a yogurt or an egg or something like that. And again, you want to get some color. So once you get those three components into your breakfast, that's a really good idea. But we know people who eat breakfast regularly tend to make healthier food choices as the day goes on. You know, they they tend to be leaner. It just tends to help with energy levels as well. well I know I always look up starving, dying for breakfast. I literally can't wait to eat breakfast, whether it's eggs or porridge or brown, whole grain toast or whatever it may be. It's like, you know, it's it gets me going for the day. And there, you know, there is a, a trend in terms of intermittent fasting at the minute where people are skipping that meal and kind of elongating that fast. The key thing is by getting breakfast in, we know in the long term, you eat healthier for longer and you're more likely to be healthier as a result of it. Yeah, you're right. Because what's happening is this intermittent fasting kind of thing. People are then holding off going, okay, I won't eat until 12 or 1. And then, you know, they're still eating, like they have a big lunch, their dinner, they're having something in the evening time where it's really if you're going to do it that way, it needs to be pulling it back. You still need to be having your breakfast, your lunch and your dinner um, and not taking it too far as well. You know, it's not suitable for everybody. It's trying to find out what's the right fit for you. 
Okay, great. Uh, halfway through, number five, eat slowly and take your time. Yeah, so this is trying to help. You know, culturally, we've got into this thing of, you know, it's on the go, you know, grab and go breakfast, lunch at the desk. Um, even with people working from home, I found more people saying that they were really actually just because they weren't having the social lunch with people that they were just going back to their computer and kind of keep on working away at their at their kind of laptop. So it does take the brain about 20 minutes to know if you're full. OK, so if you eat your food slowly, you chew well, you're actually helping your digestive tract. So sometimes people, you know, we'll meet people who have problems with like, you know, burping or bloating or pain or wind or like gut kind of upset. And sometimes a simple thing can be just take a little bit more time, chew your food well. So when we eat quickly, we swallow air while we eat. And then that air gets into the gut and then that can obviously cause a bit of bloating, cramping, kind of pain and things like that. So there's kind of a, a digestive benefit to eating slowly. You also like relax and enjoy and savor your food. Um, and you also tend to eat better to appetite. So sometimes if you eat too quickly, you may eat more. You're, is that is that magic 30 seconds the number or is it just do better yeah there's different things like we say to people sometimes we say just put your knife and fork down while you chew before lifting it back like don't sit poised with the fork ready to go or, <laughs> you know the other one might be you know people say count how many times you chew but i mean i don't know i don't think i could do that because i i just get distracted <laughs> but i think the main thing is is just even just to chew your food like we do know if you're watching tv while eating you'll eat quicker you know, so whereas if you're eating in company with somebody, you're you're having conversation, you might eat a little bit slower. So it's just trying to figure out it's a good little tip to kind of sometimes just check how quickly, like check the clock when you start your dinner and see, you know, how long am I taking? Is it over in 10 minutes or is it over in 20 or is it over in five or what's what's happening? OK, so just do your best and eat a little bit slower and chew your food a little bit more. And you're kind of you're rocking. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. It's top tips to overhaul your diet with Avian Bannon. Avian, brilliant tips so far, which is fantastic. We're going to keep on rocking. Number six is don't skip meals. Yeah, so again, very simple and effective and kind of touches on what we were talking about with the intermittent fasting. So the idea is, you know, our body, like our, our brains use glucose as fuel and they kind of get it from carbohydrates, which it takes like three to four hours. Like ideally if we're eating every three to four hours, we tend to keep our energy levels better. We tend to have less cravings, less energy dips, you know, concentration is better. So the idea is sometimes what can happen is if you're busy, you're going, I'm not that hungry, so I'll keep on going. But the problem is an hour, an hour and a half later, you will be hungry. And then you just want something, you want anything, you know, you'll just eat the first thing you get your hands on. Whereas if we don't let ourselves get to that point, we're able to kind of, you know, make healthier food choices and kind of maybe create a healthier meal. So the thing is just try not to, if you're someone, some people can't skip it. They just get too hungry, but other people, you know, I'm but like be like that. I could go hours without eating. Like I'd have to kind of go, no, it's lunchtime, <laughs> eat your lunch. But I know if I don't, I will get very tired. You know, but my energy levels will really, really dip. So it's just making sure we don't skip meals because then often our body later on will either get very tired or crave something else. Okay. Next up is all around planning, shopping lists and getting a big shop done, presumably once a week or something like that, and then topping it up. I know. And this kind of, there's a few reasons for this, because one thing it kind of helps you, it helps prevent food wastage because you're planning a little bit better, which is obviously important. Um, you know, you have a little bit of time to kind of figure out, you know, how to plan the food and, you know, maybe kind of go like you're thinking, yes, I heard somewhere we're meant to get oily fish in twice a week or I'm meant to be trying to get, you know, certain things and you can kind of plan your meals a little bit better. But it also saves cost 
you know, you're not just running out and grabbing things locally as you go. Like we do online food shopping because I find it really easy to get all the basics in and, you know, my usuals are there. So it saves time and it just means we can plan a little bit better. So I think the shopping list can be a good idea, particularly, and it doesn't have to be if you have a big family, it can be just you, it can be a couple, you can be, you know, for wherever it is, it's handy to have that, that you know then what you're having for the week. Because also if you think of sometimes you might come home tired from work or, you know, you're just feeling a little bit, I don't want to say lazy, but not as motivated to get up and do something. You can just go and, you know, if the food is there in the fridge, you'll just make what you have. You know what I mean? You'll you'll do that and you'll make your dinner. You're not then trying to just get a takeaway or something else because there's nothing in the fridge. So having a little bit of planning can be a good idea just to take some of the pressure off. Tip number eight is all about protein. Again, very trendy at the minute, very popular. People are trying to maximize their protein intakes with big scary numbers and all the chicken and broccoli diet brigade and all of that nonsense. Tell me more about protein and how much we should actually have. Yes, I say you see a lot of this. Um, So the idea, I think, you know, what happened was we learned a while back that our body can only really kind of absorb or optimize like nutrition with protein at a certain amount. So like having very high amounts in one time, you don't get any extra benefit. And it's somewhere between 20 and 40 grams of protein in one sitting, depending on your age. So once we learned that, we realized that there was one brigade who would have like toast for breakfast, a vegetable soup for lunch, and then all their kind of protein in the evening time. And then there's the others who are just going, actually, I protein makes muscle. So if I eat more, I'll get more muscle. But unfortunately, that doesn't work. So the idea is optimal protein. It's not about high or low. It's trying to drip feed your protein throughout the day. So a bit like having color at every meal, trying to get some protein at every meal, whether it is your, you know, milk, yogurt or egg at breakfast time at lunchtime, you know, it could be a bean or a fish or meat or poultry and likewise in the evening time you're just getting it drip fed throughout the day but on the flip side of that there's no benefit to having more than what your body needs okay and the main thing for us that we would say is that when people have very very high protein diets they tend to have either too little fat in their diet which can obviously have an impact on bone health hormonal health injuries things like that or they may have too little carbohydrate and then they get problems with digestion so when we overdo any one nutrient we're, we tend to push another nutrient out. So it's trying to get that balance that we're not overdoing it. Um, the younger we are, the less protein we need, which doesn't suit a lot of the younger guys out there, particularly who want to go with the high protein diets. And then once we hit the ripe old age of 50, we need to start increasing our protein intakes and having a little bit more. So our protein requirements increase as we get older, not decrease. So you know, I think that's a message that doesn't get out there too much. Absolutely. And the reason for that is, you know, as we age, presumably we're losing muscle mass and that use it or lose it, but also we're, you know, if we're not getting adequate protein in, we can't maintain that muscle mass. Exactly. So, I mean, like muscle needs, that needs like, what does it need? It needs like exercise, it needs calories, it needs protein, like it needs everything working together. So if you, as you get older, we lose lean muscle mass at a slightly like faster rate, which is why mobility and exercise is so, so important as we get older, but then also making sure if you're keeping active that you're getting the protein in there too. Great. Tip number nine, all around hydration and staying hydrated, really important and people will be sick listening to, but it's actually very important for your health. Do the pee test check your pee, how hydrated are you? But it's that idea of, like, they do this thing in some Northern European schools that I think is so cool. They have like posters up of pee charts for the kids. So like the primary school kids will come out and they look at the, you know, like, are you hydrated enough, not enough or too much? Like have a little gauge for them to get used to knowing how to help 
kind of aim for that pale straw color. So again, we see people who overhydrate, who heard, oh, water is really important. I'll just drink liters and liters and liters of the stuff. And like, that's no good either. You're just flushing everything out, but it's getting that kind of balance of it. And it's fluid. So it's like that one and a half to two liters of fluid a day. So it can be herbal teas or, you know, the odd cup of tea or coffee and it's your water as well. And then if you're active, obviously more, or if it's hot, more. But yeah, I mean, it's hydration is one of those ones that, again, we see people who are either like completely under drink fluids or overdo it. It's trying to get that middle ground again. And in terms of urine color, it's close to clear is what you should be aiming for. Yeah, very pale straw color. So like never check the first pee in the morning because that can be a little bit darker. But then during the day that it should be a pale straw color. If If there's much color to it, you're not drinking enough water. And if it looks like water, you're drinking too much. <laughs> Love it. I, I, as a nation, I'd be fascinated to see if people listening in don't absolutely freak out at the thoughts of getting children to check their urine colour. But it's brilliant. It's just as a nation, I think we have a bit of way to go to, to, to do something like that. But it is really, really important. Final tip is all around omega-3. Tell me about that. So omega-3, I actually put this one in because I think we got lots of airtime a few years ago and it's kind of gone a little bit on the wayside again and got a little bit forgotten about. So, you know, we know most of us in Ireland don't get enough omega-3 in our diets and there's two formats of it. You've got your kind of very absorbable form of your EPA and DHA and that would come in your animal sources like your oily fish. So for those of us who enjoy oily fish like your salmon, mackerel, trout, fresh tuna, sardines, you know, in, um, I think, did I say mackerel? Any of that one anyway, that if you're getting it in twice a week, you're getting plenty of omega-3. If you want to go for a plant source, so that comes in a format ALA, which the body converts by five to 15% into the, the kind of a more absorbable form. So if you have it from a plant source, you just need to get into your diet every single day. So that would be walnuts would be the highest. They look like a little brain. And we know omega-3 is really good for the brain. So like six walnut halves a day is enough omega-3 for the week or like your chia seeds or linseed or any of those can get the omega-3 in there so it's trying to get a sometimes a balance between both suits people but if you really don't like oily fish and you really don't like nuts and seeds then you may need a supplement but there's no point again taking more than what your body needs so the benefits for your omega-3 would be your eye health heart health and brain health they're the three main things and eye health is something that we're kind of talking a lot about now because as people are are aging you know, we're getting the healthy aging and people are getting, you know, people are living for longer. Eye health is becoming a real, real focus in terms of the older population. And that's where we really want to encourage good eye nutrition as well. So the omega-3 is from like, you know, birth right the way through, but it's the one that like, just check your diet. If you like the foods, just get them in there. If not, then you can go for a supplement, but it's better always just kind of go for food first if you can. Avian, fantastic advice as always. I love reading your content online and catching up. You're full of just knowledge and tips that work and there's no messing about. There's no fads, no gimmicks. It's very straight, very to the point and it works, which is even more important. If people want to find out more about you or from you, where can they find you? Well, look, on Instagram is on at Avian Bannon or in Dub Nutrition Centre, which is my clinic that we have. And there's about four or five of us in there now working away. So um, yeah, so trying to help people enjoy food and learn how to eat healthier. Well, Avian, thank you so much for joining us today on Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. You know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram. And we'll see you next week for more Real Health. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.